For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. The 2021 NFL Draft is right around the corner coming up this Thursday. And we've got plenty of great content planned for you folks. We've got our second part of our mock draft as well as multiple interviews that are going to be released Today, you're going to get to hear my conversation with test strength coach Joe Roselle talking a little bit about the pre-draft process and some various aspects that go into the drills and the preparation for these guys as they get ready for the NFL. Before we get to that, though, I'm going to give you a quick message from our sponsors, Bet Online. If you're going to be doing any betting on the NFL draft, you got to go to Bet Online. They have odds and props for everything. Whatever it is, you name it, you can find it on Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, especially the NFL draft. Bet Online has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to their website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Us here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast is Joe Roselle, who is the head of business development and also a positional coach at Test Football Academy. So, folks, I've mentioned it a couple times on the show. I did my pro day prep at Test in New Jersey, which is located in Martinsville, one of the best facilities for producing and helping top quality NFL guys prepare for the NFL Combine, in this year's case, for Pro Days. We've seen a lot of NFL guys come out of there. Uh, Foster Moreau, Darnell Savage, some of the most notable recent guys, Nate Stanley. A lot of really good players have had opportunities coming out of tests because of their state-of-the-art equipment, their fantastic coaches. A uh, quick shout-out to, to Garrett Goodmanson, who I've been working with for a very long time, and also uh, Kevin Dunn, who do a fantastic job. But Joe, uh, we're bringing you on today because not only do you have this background as a coach with Test and you've been working with them for uh, a, you know, a good period of time now, you also have some aspirations of getting into scouting, which I think is a, a perfect mix for this discussion as we're getting super close to the NFL draft, kind of figuring out some of this stuff with the pro day process. So Joe, I, I wanted to first talk about, um, about Test. And can you tell us a little bit about test and, and the training that you, the guys that participate in the pro day prep, what it's like and what they go through to prepare for their pro days? Yeah. So uh, first, you know, Joe, thanks for having me on. Um, so really when the guys early on, we kind of vet them early on in regards to, you know, probably right when they announce that they're going to be draft eligible, we start doing our homework um, on getting the right guys and a good culture fit for what we do here. Um, you know, the guys then, they come usually see the facility. 
um, get a good feel for, for how we run the program here and guys we've had prior in our pedigree and the guys we've put into the league and signed pro contracts and all that. But really, um, what it comes down to is once they walk in day one, you know, we kind of get a feel from them on what they feel like they want to improve on and what we can help them improve on. And honestly, what what we see uh, them possibly improving on and what would help boost their stock once draft day comes. So, for example, sometimes we'll have a guy come in and his main thought process is, oh, I think I should gain weight. Well, we know that what kind you know, obviously the type of weight that they'd be putting on, we want it to be good weight. We want it to be all muscle. <laughs> we don't want them to gain any fat, but you know, sometimes if I, you know, when I'm looking at the guys coming in and I'm watching their film and from the guys I know in the league who may have an eye on the guy, you know, maybe it's not in their, best interest to gain 15 pounds may it's in their best interest to gain seven pounds because if they gain 15 pounds it may push them out of a certain positional group that they might not be you know um, slated for at that time um you know for when the process is over so yeah so the guys come in we give them a baseline performance test we do some gpp which is general physical performance test there um we test them from Everything, their baseline testing, their 40, their bench, their broad, their vert. And then it's really just a grind, getting their diet all set up and then getting them put in and bought into the process and making sure that we're keeping track of everything from from body weight to um, muscle mass composition. And during that process, they're doing positional work. They're talking to teams while they're calling in, getting a feel for them. We're getting them up to speed on you know, what type of questions that, that these scouts are going to be asking. Um, I myself am talking to teams and answering questions about them. So it's kind of this blended process of, you know, them being able to boost their draft stock, us being able to take advantage of every second that they're there and make sure that no time is wasted and just getting them a feel for what a camp kind of situation would be like, you know, it's heads down, it's all work. And really, you know, that's the kind of product that we want to deliver at test, you know? Yeah. And it's a grueling process. I went through the eight week training and I have the ability to commute from where I was at in New Jersey. Some of these other guys have to come in from completely different States, stay in hotels it's not an easy process. You really have to be dedicated. You have to be willing to put your head down and work. And the results that you get from it are definitely amazing. I was in fantastic physical shape by the time that my pro day prep was done. And so I know all the stuff that you talked about there, all the things that go into it, trying to figure out where you need to fit body composition wise, trying to fit certain molds in a position what I kind of want to get into now, though, is who were some of the notable guys this year in this year's class? Because you, you had some some pretty talented players, not as many people coming in this year as typically because of COVID causing some restrictions, less guys coming out. But who are the notable names that participated in the Pro Day prep this season? Yeah, so we had uh, a lot of interesting and intriguing guys this year. Um I'll kind of start with um, some of the linemen because we had a lot of linemen this year. Um, we had Tommy Doyle, 
from uh, University of Miami, Ohio. And uh, him in particular, you know, he he passes the eyeball test because he's, he's, he's a very big, very big guy. He's uh, about 6'7", uh, 325, 330 pounds in that range. Um, you know, he moves very, very well. He definitely has some swing tackle ability. He can play on the left side. He can play on the right side. You know, work ethic-wise, he was fantastic with us. You know, he was always there you know, staying after and, and working and asking questions and wanting to be the guy that's burning the most calories in a session, or, you know, he definitely wanted to take in as much as he could when he was with us. And football wise, you know, when I looked at him as a football player and I watched his film, you know, other than the fact that he didn't play the most amazing talent at Miami of Ohio, I mean, the only thing that he really has to do is work on bending a little bit. But other than that, man, his ceiling is through the roof. Uh, you know, he was really, really great for us. Um, another guy would be Will Fries, who played, I feel like every position on the offensive line except center, but he played tackle and guard over at Penn State. He's another guy, passes the eyeball test. He's about 6'4", 6'5", around 3'10", 3'15". Um, he plays with really, really good uh, pad level, moves guys off the ball. He's extremely consistent. Physically, he's a little less, you know, up there than Tommy was. But, you know, all in all, he's going to be a gem for whoever they can get him, especially for where they're saying his slated value is, because he's another guy who's a real hard worker. Um, outside of the lineman group, we had a couple of QBs this year. We had Zach Thomas and Kevin Thompson. Um, Zach is definitely interesting. Uh, sneakily, very, very athletic. Um, I know it shows up on film to a degree, but really he's a guy who maybe that when you look at him, you're like, Oh, you know, yeah, he looks like kind of like your regular college quarterback. And then you watch him move and you're like, Oh wow. He's pretty impressive. Um, in his athletic ability. Um, and he showed a lot of that playmaking ability at app state. Um, another couple of guys would be, uh, you know, personally, I worked with the linebackers very closely, uh, Blake Gallagher from Northwestern. He's a guy, I think he's going to be a gem for whoever picks him up. Um, he played next to Patty Fisher at Northwestern. Uh, I could really, really see him being a special teams ace. Also someone who could be subbing in at a three, four inside or a nickel outside backer. Um, just a guy that'll work. He plays with, uh, unbelievable leverage. He has really, really good run fits. He's a above average tackler. Uh, he's a grinder. He kind of got overshadowed at Northwestern playing next to Patty, who's probably in the top 10 of the inside linebacker group that some people have written up right now. Um, you know, Blake plays above his pay grade. I think that's what the instance is going to be. Whoever picks him up, he's going to play above where they get him. So whoever can, can uh, snag him up either late in the draft or, you know, post draft, they'll be getting a real hard worker in that sense. Um, and yeah, those are really the guys that stuck out to me. Um, and, uh, and I, there's a lot of guys, you know, that I could talk about top to bottom, like Jerome Johnson from Indiana, Harry Kreider, um, from Indiana. We have a lot of guys that were, were re really, really good guys, talented guys. They all worked hard. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if anywhere from five to six of them are drafted and maybe about anywhere from 12 to 14 of them are signed. So I think we had a really strong class this year, despite them being small, but uh, I'm excited to see, you know, how everything plays out.
So, Joe, because of your background as a coach and also somebody who understands the scouting perspective with things, how would you say or what is the importance, rather, of the testing at Pro Days and during the Combine? What does that mean for scouts? What kind of things are they looking for and what is the importance of it? Yeah, so one of the first things I want to say is, um, you know, they definitely want to take a look at a guy in person, how he carries himself. Does he have confidence around the other players that either a at a pro day he played with or around his coaches? Um, and also when they get a chance to talk to them post, how do they carry themselves and are they a good person in which the scouts are going to do their vetting and make sure that they get the most background on these guys, but they just definitely want to see it in person to kind of see how a guy moves in a crowd and how he carries himself and stuff like that. The other aspects of it is obviously a, to see how they move. Um, you know, can you run a 40 that is up to par with other players that they're valuing at your position during that year? And also, are you running, are you running and or testing well enough in a sense that it matches up to how you are on film? Are you, are you overly athletic in your testing, but aren't overly athletic in your film. Typically that doesn't happen, but if there's a discrepancy or a gap between those two things, it may make you ask a question like, okay, is this guy, why, how is this guy testing so poorly yet on film, he's able to, to, to move at say game speed or vice versa, where this guy is testing out the, out the gym. And then you look at him on film and you're like, I don't really see it. I don't understand where this is coming from. So you have to kind of make a judgment call there where you don't want any surprises. So you really just don't want to be surprised by anything. Um, the other thing you want to see is, are you staying in shape? So when the season ended, is it a question of, oh, okay, did you just stop training or are you working out? Are you working out hard enough? Are you taking this seriously enough? Um, you know, for somebody that maybe you were able to see in person for some reason, like you visited a game or set or something and you saw them on the field and they were in unbelievable shape. And now you go to see them again and it looks like, yeah, maybe they're holding a little water. Maybe they're not moving as quick as they were when the season ended, you know, or is it a work ethic question or on the other side of it is okay. You know, you had a pretty decent season. You looked like you were in pretty good shape and now I go to see you again and you're built unbelievably. So that makes you say, all right, this guy's put the work in and he's willing to improve on the areas that he needed to improve on. Those are definitely the main hitting points you want to see um, overall. Like, you know, everybody has their said numbers like, oh, you got to run a four, four, you got to run a four, three for this position. It's not really that cut and dry. Um, it's definitely there's a sliding scale of, you know, things, numbers that you hope to see, but it it's, it's all relative in regards to the game film. You know, you can kind of get a tell from a guy on how he moves on film on what he's going to run. And it's usually within a, a one or a point one window, especially when it comes to running. Um, you know, if you see a guy on film and you'll, you're like, yeah, he looks about anywhere from a four five to like a four six um, or anywhere from a four five five to a four six six. He's going to be somewhere in there. And if he comes out there and he runs a four, four, then you go, Oh, okay. All right. He's quick, quick. Or if he, 
you know, runs a four, eight, you go, all right, well, that's weird. I, that's definitely not what I expected from seeing him on film. So those are really the main things. The only places where it definitely comes, makes you question things is when a guy comes out that you're maybe kind of low on and he does something that's way above his grade. So if, if you have a receiver that maybe has middling production and then you go to his said pro day or to the combine, he runs a four, three, or he jumps a 43 inch vertical that makes you all of a sudden say, okay, was this a, a coaching issue? Was this an under issue? Maybe he didn't come into fruition enough. Maybe he was buried in a roster. Maybe, you know, there was an injury. Was there something that made him lack production that's not adding up to the numbers that he's producing right now in front of me? And um, those typically, those questions are pretty much answered um, in a short period of time. Um, you don't usually get surprised. I mean, you have guys that walk on to teams um, you know, that's say are drafted in the, in the fourth or fifth round and play above the production level of what their salary dictates for the first three or four years, because they're on some sort of set rookie contract. But most of the time you can tell if a guy, you know, is going to produce at that level pretty early on, even if he doesn't get drafted there, because guys typically aren't going to reach and put themselves at risk for a guy that deep down that they know like, okay, he's going to have unbelievable production, but you know, we have other needs or we have no other people. Like we're not going to be made to look like we're reaching. So the, you, you have a lot of that, that kind of happens. So that's really where the pro day ties in where it's those first initial meetings to see if those original presumptions you had on a player are true and, or if he exceeds those expectations or comes in at a lower mark than what your expectations. So speaking of testing, this year, no NFL combine for producing those numbers. However, there was a plethora of pro days, especially ones being held at specific facilities. Those were brought into a much bigger light than they typically are. But the reoccurring joke almost here with these pro day numbers, a lot of people were joking how there were so many four threes way more than typically. These numbers, to an extent, did seem a little bit inflated. However, there are some really good athletes in this year's class. So it's, it's hard to really figure out, is this a case of a historically athletic group or are things being inflated based on the circumstance of where they're performing? And, and if anybody recalls the year before when the Pro Day circuit was completely squashed because of COVID, the numbers were even worse. So they weren't as bad as that when there were some seriously fabricated numbers. But right now, it seems like some of them might be a little bit inflated. Do you trust the numbers from this year's cycle or, or do you think that maybe there was a little bit of a boost or uh, some adjustments that made things look a little bit better than they might actually have been? Now, I know from talking to said scouts and people, um, there was definitely some leeway given um, into some of these pro days where some of the hand times, it was just a group of people and they were calling numbers out and, you know, who knows really what, what those numbers were. This is what you do know for the guys that were down there, the scouts that were down there for whatever 32 teams it was, they know what it looks like. So 
even when the number comes out that, you know, Johnny Smith ran a, ran a four one, you know, for the scouts that were sitting there when they click their hand time and they look down at it, that's the number that they're trusting. That's always going to be the number that they're trusting. When that director of scouting is there at said pro day for a top guy, when he goes to see him run and they click stop on that hand timer and they look down and they say, have that second attempt, as long as those two numbers are close on that watch, that's the number that they're going to go with. So the reported numbers are more or less something for the agents and the players and the school to then boast. But in reality, the teams are going to have the numbers that they have, and they're going to make the decisions that they make. So it's kind of interesting in that regard. I, the only place where I think it could be a benefit is for a guy that maybe ran at a school where not all 32 teams were there, and maybe they hope to get signed after the draft, and maybe it would make a team take a closer look. That's the only time where I think it would be of any benefit for the player to do that. The only time where it wouldn't be is if, say, Johnny Smith said he ran a 4-1 and then he shows up to go have a team workout and he runs a 4-6. Because then they're going to go, okay, like, what did your foot fall off in the last <laughs> couple of weeks? Or, you know, is were the numbers fabricated? So as much as they're, they're definitely playing a joke on that, that, this happens all the time. You know, this isn't something that goes on always i think it's definitely under more under more of a radar because the combine didn't happen because typically all the top players are at the combine and those numbers you could pretty much trust right so now that everything's being handled by specific colleges at specific facilities you know it's it's tough you're you're getting all of these schools are having their own individual pro days and that's where everybody's paying attention where typically the only people who really had pro days were quarterbacks. Like they would go to their schools to throw. But other than that, it really didn't happen that often uh, leading up to until the last two years. So, you know, in meaning in, in the sense of all of the top players are participating at their pro day in other than the combine. But um, yeah, I, I would take it. You always take a time with a grain of salt you know, unless you're the one who clicked it. Um, but definitely these 32 teams, when they have guys on the floor, they trust their guys. And even if, you know, said player says he did X, you know, the team has already made their decision. As soon as the pro day is over, they made their decision whether, you know, the university announces whatever numbers that the player got, you know, the, the team may be walking away already thinking different. You know, so it's it's kind of just it's a little bit of a blend of everything. So last question that I have speaking on getting these numbers and things being accurate, there were some players that we didn't really have a weight on them. And the one in particular that was the most polarizing was Devontae Smith, the wide receiver out of Alabama, who is a perceived first round pick. And we've talked about him at length on this show about the concerns of his weight. And today when I'm recording this on Wednesday, it was released the the weights for a number of guys that went to the combine and had to get a medical check and and their measurables for NFL teams. Devontae Smith weighed in at 166, which is below the expectation that some thought he was going to be at least 170. The other super concerning weight that stuck out to me was Tutu Atwell, the wide receiver from Louisville, 149 pounds 
as a wide receiver around five foot eight, which is a disturbingly low number, especially after spending all this time, like we just talked about, preparing for a pro day and spending all this this energy on nutrition and training to still be 149 pounds when you head to Indianapolis for your weigh-in is is very very concerning. So I just want to hear from your perspective, both of those numbers. Are you worried about hearing them? Is that something that from both sides of things as a coach and also as a scout, like are you scared to even take a chance on maybe not as much Devontae Smith, but more so for Atwell, uh, somebody who's way, way underweight? Yeah, I mean, especially, you know, with Devonta, um, if you were hoping he was going to come in at 170, it definitely depends on what the majority of teams have talked to him and, and told him where they were hoping he'd be at and also what his camp is expecting of him. Um, if his camp is talking to him and telling him like, Hey, your weight's really not a concern to a majority of these teams. Then he's like, all right, I'm just going to keep doing whatever I I've been doing. And then whatever team I'm with, if they want me to put 10 pounds on, okay, I'll put 10 pounds on before the season starts. That's really not super hard. I mean, for him to get from 166 to 175 before the season, or maybe, you know, to gain at least five pounds before the season to get to 170, that's not super concerning, um, especially with the way Devonta plays. He does a good job of avoiding contact for the majority of the time. Um, and, you know, for a wide out, obviously you want some strength and, and muscle on their frame. Um, as long as there's no glaring injury concern, then it's not going to play an unbelievable factor in whether or not you take a guy or not, um, at that low of a weight. But for somebody like Tutu, for him to be 149 pounds, I mean, yeah, you obviously want your slot to be someone who's creating separation, not getting hit and, catching the ball, turning it upfield and taking that seven yard slant into a, you know, an 80 yard touchdown, but contact in the NFL is unavoidable. Like I, I don't care what anybody says. And when you're 150 pounds, like, you know, it, it's going to take a toll on you. And if, if they were hoping Atwell was going to come in at 160 and he's coming in at 149, that's the kind of weight where you're like, all right, well, you know, if we had him listed at maybe like a a fourth or fifth round grade, you know, does that make a skip on him now? Because we know like, hey, there is no no, there, I am willing to bet my everything, you know, say if a GM is thinking this, like I'm willing to bet everything that my 150 pound slot receiver is not going to be able to make it a full 16 games if he is getting the punishment of say somebody like Tutu Atwell, who would be a punt returner for your team. You know, if he's somebody that's taking that repeated (laughs) contact, you know, is he somebody I want to invest a draft pick on knowing that, okay, the probability of him making it a full 16 in the NFL at 150 pounds is probably slim or some GMs may be saying, Hey, he's not going to be a guy that's going to start for us on day one. We're going to develop him. We like his ceiling. We like the speed and ball play, uh, and and uh, you know, ball skill ability he has. So we're willing to gamble on him at this pick and maybe help increase his weight and 
have him at a nice designed role for our offense. For example, like somebody like the Kansas City Chiefs that they like to use guys in these hybrid roles and they have these speed guys and really size doesn't seem to play an unbelievable factor in where their offense is. Um, so I could see him maybe having a designed role that a coach has in mind. And if the pick is available and it's at the right spot, okay, we pull the trigger. But for someone to A, be on the fence and then now see that he's 150 pounds, it probably did hurt him in a, in a good regard. I really don't think it hurts Smith as much, but definitely Atwell seeing that, especially not seeing that one five and seeing that one four, that's, that's real scary. So. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.